You know, one of the fun things in life, uh, that one of the fun things that I find to do is that we get the opportunity to make plans. Uh, and, and sometimes plans come off without a hitch. For example, if you have a plan to join the basketball team and you go out and you sign up to play, you get on the team, right? You, didn't ex you expected to be on the team. If you took a trip across the country and it went off without a hitch, you, you got to the airport on time, you got on the airplane on time, the hotel was exactly what it was supposed to be, all the fun things that you got to do, Everything worked out like it was supposed to. Sometimes plans will work out like that. Even birthday parties. Anybody ever plan a birthday party or a New Year's Eve party or a Christmas party? Everything just comes together. It, it amazes you and surprises you. But sometimes that's what happens, and we expect that to happen. But sometimes plans do not turn out as you expect them to do, as you expect them to be. Uh, sometimes people get on an airplane. They're going from point A to point B. And they get stuck in the middle. They, 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 not in the middle, because I guess not on the airplane flying, but you end up in an airport waiting for a connecting flight. Unexpected. Uh, sometimes uh, people apply for a job that they didn't get. They wanted the, the promotion at this job. They, they put everything that they had into it. They tried to show themselves approved. And the boss still says, you know what? You're not qualified for this position. Or sometimes you might find yourself in a positive situation. You're playing basketball. All of a sudden, there's three seconds left. The ball ends up in Caleb's hand to take the game-winning shot. It has the unexpected uh, outcome of getting the ball. We expect him to make it, but it's an unexpected outcome of being the guy to get that ball. Sometimes we end up in unexpected situations. Do you ever wonder why that is? Do you ever wonder, what is God doing? How come he didn't allow me to get that promotion? How come he allowed me to be stuck? Uh, I'm trying to get from here back home. How come I'm stuck at an airport or stuck at a hotel when I want to go further? You know, God has more to your life and to my life than then just working out the plans that we have designed for ourselves. I mean, there's lots of reasons why God might not allow your plans to work out. One might be that if he knows that if that plane took off that day, you would never make it home because it was going to crash. He says, it's not time for you to come home yet. God might know that if you got that promotion at that job, it would keep you from getting a job somewhere else where ultimately you get paid better, you have better hours, and you enjoy it a whole lot better than you did. And God knows that if you make that game-winning shot, uh, you're going to be able to handle that fame when everybody picks you up on their shoulder and carries you around the, the court because they're so excited. But God has more going on than what we know, than what we understand. I want to encourage you and let you know our take-home truth today is, is using the opportunities that God gives you to make his name known. That might be exactly why he put you in that situation, because he wants you to make his name known. God has a plan like I said, to make his name known. Luke chapter, if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 31, is where we're going to start at. Luke chapter 19, verses 21, or 28 to 31. I need to pray uh, again. God, I just pray for your ability to preach this message. Please calm my, my brain and my, my tongue and help them to work together to accurately share this word. Um, as you deem best. I don't want this to be a waste of time. I want uh, it to come out as you intend it. But please just slow me down and help this to work out according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 31. Ultimately, this is the, the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It's a triumphal entry. It's Palm Sunday, which obviously takes place the week before Easter, which is a long ways away. But since we're going through the book of Luke, this is what comes next. And so this is what we're going to look at for today. So Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 31. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. 
As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. God has a plan to make his name known. So first of all, we see Jesus has a plan to make his name known. Now, Jesus isn't about trying to acquire fame and prestige and honor in the eyes of all the people. His plan is to make sure that the message of salvation is made known. This plan includes two disciples and one donkey. And this plan involves going to the next town. Jesus has been in Jericho. We saw in the last couple of weeks where you had blind Bartimaeus, where Jesus gave back his sight. You had Zacchaeus, who's up in the tree waiting to just see, get a glimpse of Jesus, just to hear something that Jesus has to say, and Jesus has this conversation with him. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And through that experience, Zacchaeus comes to know the Lord. But he's on his way to Jerusalem. And when he gets to Jerusalem, ultimately, he's going to find himself on a cross so he can pay for the penalty for our sins. Now, verse 29 says, this is all taking place as they approach Bethpage and Bethany. Now, doing any kind of research that I could I couldn't find anything about Bethpage. Some, some guesses as to where that little city or town was, but there's no historical evidence to show where it was specifically. The town of Bethany, we know better, and that's, that's more than likely the place where Jesus is sending his two disciples to go find his donkey. Bethany was the town where Lazarus was raised from the dead, where he has this friendship with Mary and Martha. And, and you find that Jesus is has experiences already in that town. So we're going to just assume for the moment that's where, uh, where Jesus is sending his disciples to go. So Jesus has a plan to make his name known. This plan includes two disciples and a colt. It involves going to the next town, and it involved locating a colt that is tied up that has never been ridden before. That's just the facts. This is just the plan. This is Jesus saying, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to answer if somebody asks you, what in the world are you doing? And that shows our first point, is that Jesus has a plan. Jesus didn't, isn't just flying by the seat of his pants saying, boy, I sure hope there's a cult there. More than likely there is one. Uh, why don't you guys just randomly go and see if you can bring something back? He has a plan. He has a purpose. He wants to accomplish something. God has a plan to make his name known as well. And he has a plan for you to make his name known. That might be you all by yourself, making his name known, or that might be you and another person or you and your family going someplace to make his name known. Now, this can be a known situation or it could be an unknown situation. The disciples have this unknown situation, so we're going to look at that too. But a known plan, maybe God says, you know what, I want you to go be a missionary to another country. Obviously, the missionary is going to go to this country and he's going to make God's name known, right? He's going to be preaching the gospel. He's going to be going door to door. He's going to be getting involved in people's lives. Uh, but I don't know anybody here who's planning on going to be a missionary to another country. Am I mistaken? Is there anybody who's God just tugging at your heart and said, hey, you got to go to another country? Okay, I don't see any hands. So we're not going to focus on that example. We're going to focus on the unknown situations. God might work it out so that you're the person who's trying to fly back home, who gets stuck in a city because it's so snowy. He might use that opportunity to make his name known. That's the plan. He might use that to make his name known. God might use the fact that he stuck you in a class, students, where everybody is antagonistic, everybody is against God. He might use that as an opportunity to make his name known. 
God might allow you or someone that you love to need medical attention to make his name known. God can use any number of situations. It's just a matter of if you're willing to get out there and make his name known. So first thing is God has a plan to make his name known. The second thing is very simple. Take the opportunity to make his name known. Verses 32 to 38. Matthew 19, verses 32 to 38. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as, they had, as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put it, Jesus on it. And as he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices, for all the miracles they had seen. Verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The disciples, they went to this town. And what did they do? I, we all understand the story. They went and they brought back this colt. That's no big deal to us. We've all known the story. We just picture Jesus saying, Hey, why don't you guys go to the next town, find this colt, untie them, have this little conversation with people, and bring them back. Now, if you really were to stop and think about how awkward that might be, uh, that would be pretty strange. I mean, it was something that wasn't unheard of because it, rabbis would, from time to time, send somebody ahead of them to do something like that. But I guarantee you, these disciples had never done that before. They had never gone to another town, grabbed a donkey, brought it back to Jesus to ride on. So for them, this is kind of an awkward situation. I don't know exactly if this... The way, I, the way I picture this, I picture this with Scott. I picture Scott going to Baker and finding a car. Um, I, like, I, I send Scott, hey, Scott, why don't you go to Baker, find this car that's, that's got a, a pickup that has never been driven before, and hop in it and bring it back to me. What's Scott going to think? No way in the world, right? You're gonna, he's going to be expecting some guy with a bat to come out or some lady crazed with a gun ready to shoot him. He is not going to want to do that. So you kind of get the idea of, awkward, uh, but the, and why are these people doing this? Because they're following the plan that God gave them, that Jesus gave them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how it's going to turn out. You find in John chapter 12, verse 16, that they didn't even understand what they were doing until after Jesus had risen from the dead. Then they understood, what's the purpose of this donkey? Why does Jesus need this donkey? It wasn't until later, but they were just following the plan that Jesus gave them to do. And in doing so, uh, they were fulfilling a prophecy. In Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They are fulfilling a prophecy that they don't even know about, that they don't understand until after Jesus has risen from the dead. But they, what they did by, by going to get this donkey was one thing that they did is they physically made the name of Jesus known. Because when Jesus got back, they took off their cloaks, they took the, cut the palm branches for Jesus, took the donkey to ride on. They took their cloaks and put it on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. That's a physical thing that they're doing to show that we're accepting this guy as our king, as our literal king. You find an example in 2 Kings chapter 9, 13, there was this man by Jehu that they wanted to quickly make him king. And so what they did was they took off their cloaks and the best thing they could do was just lay out the red carpet with their cloaks so that this guy, this, this guy named Jehu could walk on, and it was showing everybody 
that this is this guy we're accepting as our king. And so they're physically trying to say, hey, look, everybody, we're accepting Jesus as our king. They physically were making that known. But they also audibly made that known. Verse, verse 37, it says, uh, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. And they were shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They were vocalizing it. They were audibly, they were shouting, they were making a very loud noise to make sure that everybody would recognize that we are accepting this guy as our king. And that's the, the very words that they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But they were publicly and they were audibly worshiping God. They made Jesus known. We need, to, we need to do the same thing. We need to audibly and physically make the name of Jesus known. God has a plan for us to follow. We just need to walk in those steps and to make, that, uh, to make his name known. You know, for the, for the guy, like I said, the missionary, who's going to go to another country, it's going to be very obvious. That's what he's going there to do. That's what he's getting paid to do. That's what God's called him to do is to go and audibly, physically do something to make his, the name of God known. It's, it's just what you expect. No one here raised their hand saying, I'm going to go be that next missionary, so we're going to skip that for now and come back to the unknown examples that God has put you in or the unknown opportunities that God might place you to make his name known. The guy who's at the airport, who's, who, who, who's waiting to go home, he can't get home, he says, okay, I, know, I don't want to sleep in an airport, what am I going to do? I'm going to go get a hotel room. And so while he's sitting there, uh, He's, he's watching, he's putting on ESPN, he wants to watch the highlights to the, the playoff game, and he's getting ready for bed, and as he's getting ready for bed, his Bible opens up, and what falls out, except for the track that was stuck in his bulletin last Sunday, and his pastor, he remembers that his pastor said, hey, if you get the opportunity, place this somewhere where somebody is going to find it, and so that's what this person does. He physically makes his name known. He just, before he leaves in the morning, he decides to lay it out on his bed with a little note that says, please read this. He's physically making his name, making the name of God known. He's not saying anything, not having any kind of contact with somebody, but he's physically doing something to make his name known. It might be uh, audibly making God's known. The student who ends up in a class is antagonistic against God. Uh, you guys know the movie God's Not Dead? Uh, there's this poor student who who wants to, to take a certain class in order to fit it in with his other schedule. And it doesn't, the only class that he can take is with the wrong professor. The professor that hates God, that hates Christianity, and the people who are signing him up says, hey, don't take this class. Work out your schedule some other way. He says, no, I'm going to take his class. And where does he find himself? He finds himself standing up there in front of the whole class trying to defend his faith because he says, I will not write that God is dead. And he has this huge debate with uh, the, the, the professor in front of all the students because he's willing to, to stand by God and to physically, audibly make his name known. Kids, you might find yourself in that situation. The person who needs the physical attention that has an opportunity to make God's name known might have the opportunity to audibly make that known. Uh, I told Jerry that I was going to talk about him. I didn't tell Mrs. Wagner I was going to talk about her. Uh, but Jerry, remember when he wanted to go to get his knee surgery, he says, I want the opportunity to tell someone about the Lord or to give God the glory for that. His goal, his purpose in doing that uh, is that he actually wanted to do that. I remember talking to Mrs. Wegman when Lamar was in 
uh, the, the hospital, having his work done on his body. And she said she was witnessing for the Lord. She was put in a situation because there was a, uh, an emergency or a medical need, and she was put in a situation where she could audibly make that name, the name of Jesus, known. And so the, someone might find himself in that situation where they feel God's prompting to go talk to somebody and say, you know what, even though we're going through this tough time, even though this is really hard, God is good. Look at what God has done in my life. It's just audibly making it clear that God's name is to be praised. And it's letting people know who God is, and it's making God's name known. The people that they come in contact with might know exactly who God is. They might not have never heard the name of Jesus, or they might hate Jesus. You don't know, but the, the idea is that God has a plan. He's put you in a certain place, and while you're there, he wants you to make his name known. But not everybody's going to like to hear about the name of Jesus. They're not going to like to hear the name of God. They don't, they're going to have different reactions to that. Verses 39 to 40. It says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they, quiet, cry, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Obviously, the Pharisees don't like this. They don't want Jesus to be king. They want nothing to do with Jesus. All they want to do is to kill Jesus, get rid of Jesus, and, ha and, and have, his, have be rid of Jesus. That's all that they want to do. And so they object to, to, to Jesus' disciples, and he says, you know what? Even if I stop these guys, or even if they chose to stop doing this, he says, you know what's going to happen? He says, those rocks are going to pick up right where they left off, and they're going to start shouting praises uh, for the name of Jesus. It says they will not be kept silent even if these people do so. One way or another, the name of Jesus is going to be known and the name of Jesus is going to be praised. Now obviously, there's, there's going to be conflicting responses when we try to make the name of Jesus known. You know, the missionary who goes to another country, he might meet with great success. He starts meeting with the tribal people and all those people say, we, we, we knew that there was something more to life than just these gods that we were trying to follow. Yes, we want this Jesus that you're trying to give. Or it might be that they just shut their little door huts on their face and they want nothing to do with them. Or it might mean that they start to get threatened. Or they might end up getting killed because they were trying to proclaim, proclaim the name of Jesus. There's going to be different responses. Again, nobody here says, I'm going to go be that missionary, which is fine. But you're going to find yourself in an unknown situation where God has a plan for you to make his name known. And if you decide to do that, there's going to be different responses that people are going to give you. The person who left that track on the bed before they left uh, to physically make God's name known may never, ever know what happens with that. But when that maid comes in the next day to, to, to clean that room, she might look at that track and get mad and rip that thing up and think, how dare somebody? I, I have this other faith. I don't think this is real. And so they're mad, and they throw that thing away. That's a, that's a negative response to your efforts to try to make God's name known. The student from the movie God's Not Dead, who's willing to stand up there and argue with the, the professor in front of all the students, might have a positive response. Sure, he's got the problem with the professor, but in that movie, there's a Chinese student who starts asking all these questions, who ultimately comes to put his faith in Jesus, and then in uh, God's Not Dead 2 or 3, goes back to China and starts to be in a pastor there. And so he's sharing the gospel, all because this guy was willing to stand for his faith. So there might be this positive response with this astronomical, um, I don't know, 
get bigger response, exponential, thank you, exponential response effect that he didn't even anticipate. You know, or, or the person that's in the medical uh, situation who's in the waiting room because I'm waiting for my hubby to get out of uh, the hospital or because I'm waiting because I've split my knee open and I need to go in, might try to talk to someone about the Lord, and that person might just think, well, I don't really care about that. You know, I mean, I'm in this tough situation God didn't keep me from, but there's got to be something out there. And they might have this no-care attitude. Like, you want to believe that, that's fine for you. You don't want to, if you, but I don't really care, just kind of leave me alone. So you might have somebody who's mad and tearing it up, the person who's excited and goes back home and becomes a pastor to his own people, or someone says, you know what, I don't really care. But there's going to be a variety of responses when you do your job to try to make God's name known. You know, a lot of people, when they face those negative responses, they say, that's it, I'm done. You know, uh, they get it, they're verbally, someone tries to, to stop them, they get threatened, or they get slandered because they're trying to, to share God's name. Uh, and they say, okay, you know what, I really don't want to go through anything worse than that, and so I'm just going to keep myself quiet. They want to go to hell, that's their problem. I don't want to go, and so I'm just going to do what I need to do. That was, that's, that's enough to stop people. Sometimes people get physically stopped. Uh, they get beat up. That's going to stop a lot of people. Or they kill you. Uh, that's a potential. Or, or someone might emotionally or mentally try to stop you. They might outcast you. Oh, yeah, there comes Josh. There's the, the preacher. Or there comes Nicole, the one that's always religious at school. And I'm just, okay, I'm going the other direction because I don't want that. And so that could possibly happen. And that's enough to stop a lot of people. But I don't want that to be you. Don't let the fact that you have this fear or this potential of somebody coming down on you because you're trying to make God's name known, don't let that stop you from doing it because, uh, because Jesus didn't let it stop him. Jesus fulfilled God's plan anyway, and we should do the same. Verses 41 to 44, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when the, your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and, and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of the Lord's coming. Jesus is overlooking Jerusalem. Jesus knows he's going to be rejected. He knows that he's going to end up on the cross, but that's not why he's crying. That's not why he's weeping. And when Jesus was weeping, he's got... Screaming in one ear of excitement, he's got screaming in the other ear by the Pharisees who want him to shut up his disciples, and he sees Jerusalem, and he starts to wail, and it's a loud wail. It's not like a little whimper. This is something that's really emotional to him because Jesus really cares. He really cares about these people, and he knows how it's going to turn out because when he's coming into their city, and they're going to reject him, and this is their last opportunity. They're not going to have that opportunity again. It says that it will be hidden from their eyes. And so he's, he's, he's sad, he's emotional uh, that they're going to reject him, but he's also sad because he knows what's going to happen to the city. Multiple times throughout the Old Testament, you find that the people of, of Israel were, were taken into captivity, their cities were destroyed, the temple was destroyed because they would not choose to follow God. And the same exact thing is going to happen here. Uh, Jesus knows that in about 70 A.D., that a man, uh, a Roman general by the name of Titus is going to attack the city. He knows that there's going to be a wall, or, or there's going to be uh, surrounding the city. He, he has so many men 
they're going to be able, be able to build this embankment that people aren't going to be able to just cross. And they're going to have to go out the city walls, climb this hill, and come back down into the army if they're going to have any chance of survival. And he knows that ultimately Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. He knows that Titus is going to be able to run a plow right over the place where the temple was because they were, they were, were not willing to accept the fact that Jesus was coming. But Jesus did it anyway, and we should be willing to do the same. The missionary who has this fear that I could die if I do this, I, I could be wasting my time if I do this, uh, people could reject me or it could work out, there's so many things I don't know, needs to go anyway to make God's name known. If you're on the, in the airport and you have that track that somebody gave you in the bulletin, and you, you think, boy, this, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Uh, I'm going to leave it in the, 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 the motel room on the bed, or I'm going to leave it in the bathroom where someone else might come across it to make God's name known. Even though someone might reject it, you're going to do it anyway. The, the kid who's in the, the classroom full of antagonistic people, you need to open your mouth anyway and say, you know what, God is not dead. God is alive. If you find yourself in the medical room, or in the waiting room, and you, God is pushing on your heart, go talk to this person, make my name known. you got to get over there, and you got to start that conversation and see if you can make God's name known. Don't let the fact that there's verbal abuse that could happen, or physical abuse, or rejection, or even death, do what God has asked you to do, because Jesus was willing to do the same. And that's what we're going to be remembering here in just a moment uh, with communion. Because Jesus knew they are going to put him on a cross. But Jesus says, I'm going to do it anyway. People are going to reject me. They're going to hate me. They're going to spit on me. I, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm, because I love these people, I'm going to do it anyway. Communion, I think everybody knows, is a little bit of bread that represents Jesus' body. And it's a little bit of juice that represents Jesus' blood. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 30, uh, a little bit more about this. Uh, I'm sorry, verses 23 and on. It says, For I see from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This little bit of body, this little bread, Jesus says, I'm going to give anyway. Even though people are going to reject me, I'm going to give it. Uh, verse 25, it says, In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to give my blood anyway. Even though people are going to reject me, I have a plan to make the name of, of God known, the, the way of salvation known. People don't like it, they don't want it, but I'm going to make sure that they know it anyway. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Something we've discussed before is that it's important to make sure that we do this in the right way. Because if you have sin in your life that you don't have confessed before God, you have two choices. You either... You take it, I guess you have three. You can take it and take your chances and see if it doesn't matter. But the better choice is, is to just let it pass by or to confess that sin uh, before the Lord. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell your neighbor. You just tell the Lord, God, I'm sorry for whatever I thought, whatever I said, whatever I did that, didn't, that you didn't appreciate. I'm sorry for that. The other thing you have to make sure you know is that you have put your faith in Jesus alone for your salvation. And if you have done that and your heart was right before God, I would encourage you and, and, and to take the bread and drink the cup and celebrate what Jesus did because he was willing to do it anyway in order to make his name known, his way of salvation known 
to each one of us in this room. So we're just going to take a couple moments, and we're going to pray, and just have, give everybody a moment just to make things right with God, to ask him to be your Savior if that's what you need. And then I'll call the deacons forward, and then we'll share communion together.